1: Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Unfortunately, we're still missing Josh, but Phil and Jonathan and myself are in the studio, and we have been working through the relationship between church and state. And yesterday we left off talking about that it's never right to go against conscience. You can catch the whole broadcast going back and just listening to this online. But that whole idea of going against conscience, I think, really relates to something historical. I don't know if you guys want to jump into
2: this? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Um, Luther, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, at what's called the Diet of Worms, uh, which was not about eating worms. Uh, it was at the, the German city of Worms. Uh, there was a, a trial uh, called, a, called a diet, or it was a, a, a convocation of the, of the church that came together to try Luther for heresy. And he gave his very famous speech there, here I stand, God help me, I can, I can do no other. Um, to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Is neither right nor safe, absolutely. And uh, like Daniel, um, Luther chose a place to stand. But also like Daniel, Luther did not defy authority. He wouldn't sacrifice his conscience, but you know, he didn't have to show up at the Diet of Worms. He could have run away, or he could have just ignored them and say, come and there, get me.
0: There were people that would have hidden him, as, as yes. we, we found out after that diet. You know, he was, he was, he was um, kidnapped, you might say. And, and, <laughs> but he and, was voluntarily he, kidnapped. Yeah, yes. and, and taken away into hiding. Yes. Because his life was at risk.
2: His life was certainly at risk, but he showed uh, respect to authority in that he showed up there, and in a very direct but decorous way, Defended his stand on the word of God,
1: and it might sound like that was some sort of um, simply a religious encounter. That it was one religious perspective against another. But you're probably wondering, well, we're talking church and state. How does this relate? Well, a diet, the Diet of Arms, is actually not a religious gathering. It's actually a political gathering. Right. It involves a religious debate but it was not a religious court. It was actually a political court of the day. Um, So it is actually a relationship between church and state at this point. Well, at that point,
0: uh, there was was a a marriage of church and state there, which is something that we have, the separation of church and state, but there was a marriage of church and state in that day and Luther when he went you know in one sense he he did want to have a debate over the th- things actually Absolutely. the whole his his whole desire from the time he posted his 95 theses was to instil a debate he wanted to talk about those things there are people that don't want to talk about important things they want they want to constrain obedience without debate and this is what Luther found when he went to the Diet right. of Worms
1: right and that's really the situation we find in Daniel chapter 3. Um, Nebuchadnezzar had made this huge golden statue, and then when the music played, everybody's supposed to bow down to this, this huge idol or image of the king. This actually mm-hmm. reminds me of a David Meese song from like 30 years ago. But anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do so. They're told on by other people that were jealous of them, and they're called before King Nebuchadnezzar, And this whole idea that Nebuchadnezzar basically just wants blind obedience that Jonathan Mm -hmm. was talking about. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want a conversation. He doesn't want a discussion. He just says, hey, are you ready to, we're going to play the music again. You better be ready to bow down or otherwise I'm throwing you in um, Mm -hmm. a burning, fiery furnace. And he's like, I don't care what God you serve. They're not going to save you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the famous remark or answer? If this be so, our God whom we
0: serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So God is able to save us or not. In the end, God gets the glory regardless of what the state does to that individual.
2: Yeah.
1: And that really was Luther's perspective going mm-hmm. to the Diet of Worms. People mm-hmm. were saying, "What are you doing?" The last time somebody went to a meeting like this, they ended up dead. Mm-hmm. And Luther comments something to the effect of, "I know that there are just as many demons in Worms as tiles on the roofs, or something like that." I don't, I don't remember the exact quote. Uh-huh. Either one of you help me out here. You're on your own. You're okay. okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, he's saying basically the same answer as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know yes. that I might die, mm-hmm. but I have to go because yeah. I have to be obedient to, to God's call upon my life. Yeah,
2: he's, he's obedient both to God's call and his life, and he's in a he's very in a very costly and risky way submitting himself to state authority. Yeah, but in a but in but in a rightful way. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are also they are in roles where they are serving this pagan state where they find themselves uh, because of the Jews being in exile. Um, as we talked about yesterday, 586 B.C., the Babylonians uh, captured Jerusalem, took the leadership class away in exile. The three boys that end up in the fiery furnace uh, find themselves there. And uh, one of the things I, I just want to get back to, we've been talking about Bannerman, about how the, the state has a legitimate sphere and the church has its sphere. And the temptation, now the church, there are particular temptations for the church. The temptation of the state, and we can see this throughout history, you didn't need to look in the Bible, you can just see this throughout history, although you do see it in the Bible and particularly here in the book of Daniel. The temptation for the state is to be absolute. The the temptation of the state is to be the absolute authority in every aspect of people's lives Mm -hmm. and to control every aspect of people's lives. This is what totalitarianism is all about. It's what fascism is all about. It's what communism is all about, that the state will rule over every single aspect of your life. And that's the
0: trajectory all the time. It it doesn't usually go down. It's usually going up, that uh, that trajectory. And, And
2: that's what King Nebuchadnezzar wants when he sets up this image of gold and says, when you hear the music. And I love the way the story is told. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's such a marvelous, Daniel, such a marvelous storyteller. This, this list of musical instruments is repeated over and over and over again in the story. Every time, every time you hear the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of musical instrument, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar, which is really rep- a representative of a representation of himself. Mm-hmm. You will, every time you hear the music, why is it, by the way, brothers, that the purposes of wickedness are always accompanied by music? Anyway, I'm, I'm, and I mean that very seriously. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the elevator to hell is going to have really nice music piped in. But anyway... The state wants to be absolute. You will bow down and Mm -hmm. worship.
0: Mm -hmm. You brought up music. I think Luther said, next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. Yes. And he he spoke of it as... ability to communicate it's you can communicate truth with it you can you can communicate an untruth with it but uh, which is one of the reasons why you know we spent so much time in the psalms earlier this summer was because these were that was the songbook for for the old testament people of god and so praise is rendered through that
2: well and and music music is the language of the heart Mm -hmm. and in today's today's of idolatry. In Daniel, it was Daniel chapter three, it was very overt. I've set up this golden image, mm-hmm. you will bow down. Today, it may not be as overt, uh, but it's still accompanied by music. And, uh, and I, 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 I hate to become a cranky old guy who doesn't <laughs> like the music that the kids listen to. Too late. Yeah, too it, late. it is too late, <laughs> yes. <laughs> way, way too late. But Seriously, listener, be careful what you listen to, and it, it, the, the message of music is never neutral.
1: Well, music is given um, by God as a means of expression, and I think that's what Jonathan was talking yeah. about with Luther, that it mm-hmm. is a, a wonderful tool for expressing mm-hmm. our love and joy and adoration uh, of God. But mm-hmm. we were made to be worshipers, mm-hmm. and so music is just... An avenue, an outlet of for the soul, mm-hmm. and so if our if we are not aligned with God, then what happens is our lives, since we're made to worship, will have objects that then become yes where we focus our attention on, and then instead of being a vehicle to express our love and joy and adoration towards God, it will really express our love and joy and adoration in things, in creatures, in in the things of, of this earth that we've set up as our idols. And so, I mean, you'll know, oftentimes hear people talk about music being neutral, but it really uh, it, all speaks of a worldview underneath of it. Yeah, as, a,
0: as an emotional vehicle, it needs to be married to a certain amount of logic and um, uh, truth because your emotions can take you places that they shouldn't go. Yeah. And the only thing that's going to keep you is,
1: is, is the truth. Uh, That's married to that. And not all music is bad. Not all music outside of of sacred music or or religious Christian people is bad. But what happens is you've got common grace. And so you've got people that are unbelievers writing and singing songs that express a truth yeah, we, of the world in which God has placed them. We got on a,
0: a tangent here with this, uh, you know, from the church and state to music. <laughs> and, I'm not sure and, how and we got it. We're, I'm blaming Phil, uh, but you can blame but, me. But we, but we do, but, but we do, we do love music. In fact, Phil and I came in. We were uh, recounting at the beginning of the hour here. We were re- recounting some old uh, uh, country western music, and that, of course, you I, know, I, I, uh, Russ, I like,
2: Russ didn't understand it, but. Both Phil
0: and I were country before it was
2: cool. <laughs> That's right, yeah. We're, we, we spent a few minutes uh, teaching uh, Russ about Roger Miller and uh, King of the Road. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I've never missed Josh so much as those moments where these
1: guys were way down memory lane. Very quickly, let's just, just talk— briefly about Daniel chapter six uh, because I find this a fascinating story and that the, the king never can either get kind of tricked into passing a law to say for 30 days, you can only pray to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and really it's setting up Daniel. And what I find fascinating about this story is Daniel refuses to, to do it naturally, but still is public in his praying towards Jerusalem yeah, praying he goes-
2: to God. He goes up into his window. Because he doesn't have to do that. Right. He goes up into his window and, and it's clear that he's doing it, he's deliberately doing it publicly. It, very, very deliberate. He, he could have hidden and, and done it just the same. So why do you think he didn't hide? He's asserting who comes first, he, and he mm-hmm. has already chosen his place to stand. And he's not being defiant. Uh, He's simply asserting with his action and and his humility before God, he's asserting who he serves first.
1: That's going to have to be our final word today. We'll pick up a little bit on this tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.